no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue and all the other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. The context of our text, just probably minutes earlier before he gave this part of his teaching, a woman cried out, Blessed are the breasts that fed you and the woman who bore you. And Jesus said more than that, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Who wants to hear and keep? Let's pray. Lord, help us to hear and keep your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So he begins by saying, no one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket. If you turn a flashlight on, you don't put it in a drawer without turning it off, right? But, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. The word there for eye is the Greek word from which we get the word ophthalmology. Everything starts with a Greek word. <laughs> the word for good literally means single. How is single good? Well, if your eyes work as a single unit, it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. You're focused, singular focus. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Now, he's playing with words with a Hebrew proverb that basically says, generous people see things differently than stingy people. 
and generous people are going to be blessed because of the way they see things. But this also, to me, dovetails into another part of his teaching where he said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So the good works represented here by the time, the preparation, the purchasing, and the packing of these boxes is just an expression of love from us. We don't want Generations Church to get the credit, but the Father in heaven. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, he said. But here he says the lamp of the body is the eye. Now we understand our eyes don't project light, unless you're Superman. We perceive light, right? So he's talking about our outlook, our perception. The way we see things affects what we see. Who knows that's true? A prejudiced person can look at a scenario and see reasons to confirm his prejudice, and he or she will filter out the contrary reasons. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, when your outlook is good, your perception is right, your whole body also is full of light. It will affect your life. You know, the pessimist says the glass is half empty. The optimist says the glass is half full. But a faith-filled person with great perception will say the, the glass is full. Part water, part air. Yes. But when your eye is bad, your or evil, literally, is what it says. Your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. What in the world is that? Well, we all believe we have 20-20 perspective on life. But there are people who are evil, and they also think they have the perfect perspective of life. So be careful that your thinking is right, lined up with reality and with the truth of the teachings of Jesus, lest what you're thinking is true is actually darkness. So we have to be careful with the things we hear, line them up with the word. Can I get an amen? Therefore, take heed, verse 35, that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. If we're seeing things right, we will walk in love, and our light will be shining. As he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw, the word there means to stare or to perceive, when the Pharisee saw, he marveled that he, Jesus, had not first washed before dinner. So his perception of life, it was sinful to eat without washing your hands. And so he judged Jesus. Why? Because of his perception. His body was not full of light, but full of darkness. And here's the Son of God, the Word of God made flesh, seated at his table. What a benefit. And he's going to miss out on it because of his perception. The Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, 
but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. They filter that out because they wash their hands. Feel better. Now, washing our hands is good. It's wisdom. But in the eyes of God, it doesn't hold water. If your heart is evil, it's going to judge God's son. Hello. Verse 40, foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Just as surely as we're to take care of our outer man, we're to take care of our inner man. But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. What is he saying there? This guy was stingy, but boy, did he wash his hands. I grew up in a very legalistic denomination where white wall haircuts were held in high esteem. So a joke amongst us was if somebody did something rather hypocritical or even evil that was in our midst, we'd say, yes, but didn't he have a good haircut? <laughs> we were laughing at ourselves. Verse 42, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue. You tithe off your spices. You tithe your salt and pepper, basically. And all manner of, is it herbs or herbs? Oh, let's, let's take a vote. So you're tithing on minuscule things and pass by justice and the love of God. Guys exploiting people, Turning the other way when somebody's wounded on the side of the road. But boy, does he tithe to the finest leaf of your tea. He said, these you ought to have done. He's not denouncing tithing. He's denouncing tithing with injustice and wickedness. <laughs> Hatefulness. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Tithe your salt and pepper, but don't forget justice and the love of God. See, tithing is outward. Justice has to come from the end. The love of God comes from inside, from the inside out. Verse 43, woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. Hey, what's going on? All about being seen. Years ago, we had a man in our church, another church had ordained him, and he, he came to us, and a precious brother, he lives in South Texas now, he was an official usher for several years at some name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, stab it and slab it, kill it and chill it, <laughs> conventions. And he said, you would not believe what the ushers have to put up with certain people that don't get the seats they want. Ugliness, rudeness, pushiness, insulting, going to a conference to learn things from the scriptures, acting like that because you want a certain seat. And so the usher's guard was to corral people. So what is that? Well, conventions like that often attract self-centered people he was at one convention in Tulsa, and a person threatened to throw him off the balcony. Yeah. Oh, the outside looked fine. Probably wore a three-piece suit and carried a big Bible. 
but the inside was jacked up. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Listen to this. This is a strange sentence. For you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. In other words, you're already dead and buried, and no one even knew that you ever lived. If you want a life of significance, you want a life of legacy, if you want people to respect you, respect people, love them, lay down your life. See interruptions not as an inconvenience, but maybe as an opportunity for God to let you, let your, our, my light shine. Can I get an amen? Tell somebody, shine. You are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Wow, what a statement. Then one of the lawyers, uh uh-oh, answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. One translation says, you insult us also. Jesus didn't say no. He said, verse 46, Woe to you also, lawyers. For you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. It may be legal to take advantage of people on the side of the law, but it is not ethical, and it is not the love of God. If you're a lawyer and someone has paid you a retainer, and something comes along where it's a conflict of interest and you can no longer serve on that case, you need to restore your retainer even though it's legal to keep it. Lord, help us to apply the word to our own lives. We could read other verses and be here all day of him blasting the preachers too. So you point a finger, you got three coming back at you. So I think the point has been made How we see things determines what we see. Our perception is so important. Verse 34 again of Luke 11, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It can be blinding by the light we think we have. Echoing this truth, Matthew 6, 22 says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness... How great is that darkness? The word perception means the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through the senses. You're going to become aware of something next Sunday when you come here. Your perception is going to be, whether or not you heard this announcement earlier or not, there's chili in the house. But there are limits to human perception. There are limits. Be careful the light you have is actually light. 
The definition also is perception is a way of regarding, understanding, or interpreting something. It's a mental impression. We all have a perception of the public. We have a perception of others. We have a perception of each other. May the Lord help our perception to be filtered through the love of God. Synonyms for the word perception is discernment. Let me just say, those of you that say they have the gift of discernment, make sure it is discernment and not suspicion. Discernment, appreciation, recognition, realization, awareness, consciousness, understanding, comprehension, interpretations, apprehensions, impressions, sensations, feelings, observations, and notions. All those things affect and are related to and can be our perception. January 21st, 1977, at this very spot at Highlands Presbyterian Church in Salisbury, Rhodesia, now Harare, Zimbabwe, I met this 18-year-old. And my perception was, you need to get to know that girl. <laughs> I was kind of afraid of girls, but I worked up the courage because of my perception and walked up to her and said, hi, my name is Alan. What kind of pickup line is that? I didn't know about the one, you know, do your feet hurt? Why? It looks like you fell from heaven. <laughs> didn't know that one. So today we're going to speak on honoring great perception. But before we move on, let's give a couple examples of poor perception. This is from the Hubble Space Telescope. It's of the planet Mars. Did you know there was in our history people that believed in Martians? It really was. In 1878, there was a series of books started to be written and maps drawn of Mars with canals. And people made lectures saying there's um, ancient civilization on Mars and they're running out of water. We know it because from our observations through our telescopes, they're building canals like mad. You reckon there was some projection going on there? Hubble's revealed there's no canals. What were they seeing? Well, one of these characters had an eye condition, and so the theory is maybe he was seeing objects in his eye, <laughs> mapping the inside of his eye. We don't know, but people held to this, and even when the truth came out, you know how long it takes for truth to embed in a culture that's already received something as the truth? It takes a long time. There was a radio broadcast called War of the Worlds. It was a dramatic presentation as though it was going on live with newscasts. People listening to it believed that we were being destroyed by Martians, trembling in fear, doing bizarre things. Because of this belief, we say perception. This is a painting in the UK. If you look at it close, it's a bishop somehow related to one of Shakespeare's plays on his deathbed. So they'd done restoration work, clear up all the fogginess, and in the circle is a demon's head that you cannot see the restoration. So our perception needs to not be focused on demons per se, but focused on reality. Can I get an amen? We don't want to just have good perception. We want to have great perception, a great outlook, 
And if you're seeing things wrong, by all means, don't hold on to it stubbornly. When people assume a posture online, especially on social media, they would rather die than change their posture. So someone can present to them the truth, and they'll keep surfing the web till they find things to hold to their tradition, to what they're believing, their preconceived notion. So you have to be careful in arguing with people to, to get through to them, because the light that is in them is darkness. I could give some examples, but I think you've got the point. Great, good perception brings desirable results. Proverbs 22, 9, I think actually relates to this statement by Jesus. He who has a generous eye, a good eye, will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. He doesn't just look at them with suspicion. You know, I was at a meeting of uh, community leaders at La Bella Luna, and, you know, everybody's not the wisest when they open their mouth. And this guy opened his mouth to change feet. He said, you know, Granberry didn't have any poor people till we got all these food pantries. <laughs> Crazy. Poor perception brings undesirable results. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. One translation says, where there is no redemptive revelation, the people cast off restraint. Who knows we need revelation from God, lest we get ourselves into error. The way we see things needs to be aligned with God's perspective, biblical thinking. Poor natural vision, let's just talk about our natural eyes, can be blind spots, dizziness, double vision, nearsighted, farsighted, and injuries. These things can be spiritual too. You know, when Jesus said, if you see a brother that has a speck in his eye, get the log out of your eye and then go help him get the speck out of his eye. What is he talking about? He's talking about blind spots. I know in my life, I've been offensive many times because of blind spots. Just didn't see. So you need someone to come and tell you. I have these cowboy teeth, and sometimes spinach gets stuck in between them, and I don't know it. And I need a friend to say, hey, you got something you need to take care of. Go look in the mirror. You'll see what I'm saying. I don't get offended. I'm very thankful because I have blind spots. I can't see my own teeth. It's true. So those of you that know the blind spots I have, I need to be addressed. Just get the log of anger out of your eyes so you don't blind me, and then come to me in love. Do it. Dizziness. When you're dizzy, you don't have your footing, and everything is blurry, you can't focus. People spiritually can be dizzy from all the winds of doctrine out there. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to this? I'm just going to throw it all away. No, 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 no. Get yourself stabilized so you can see things clearly again. Double vision. You know, Goliath may very well have had double vision because he accused David of coming to him with sticks. And the boy only had one stick. Sometimes things appear bigger than they are. Not like your rearview mirror. Things in the mirror are larger than they may appear. You exaggerate things. 
It could be an eye problem. Nearsighted. So focused on things around here, you don't care about anything else. And that's going to lead to some hurt. Farsighted. Proverbs says the eyes of a fool are focused on the end of the earth. You're so focused on everybody but your own home. You know, if it's not working at home, don't export it. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest nearest home. My dad became pastor of a church that was in debt because they were borrowing money to give to missions so that they could win trophies. Meanwhile, there was a hole in the roof that my dad said you could climb through. I'm not sure if that's the case. But that they, they needed some stuff done if they were going to continue to exist as a church. Missions is important. But to borrow money to give, that's giving money you don't have to give. God doesn't call us to do that. Too farsighted. Injuries can impair our vision. And sometimes unhealed hurts affect our vision, our perception. There's healing for you. There's healing for us. There's healing for me. May the Lord heal us of our hurts so that we are whole again. Maybe you were very involved in ministry and some hurtful things happened and now you're not. Get healed up. Enjoy the break. It's not all over for you. What is this? No, it's a McIntyre. No, it's a Reba McIntyre. Our poor perceptions can be deceptions, imaginations, phobias, fears can affect the way you see things, prejudices, projections, superstitions. All these things will affect how we see. And we will think we have an accurate vision. Ain't nobody going to change the way I see things. This is the way I am. I'm Irish and I'm going to fight. I'm German and I'm going to drink. I'm this and I'm that. Those are all perceptions. Strongholds, like the Lord can't change you. You know, we're to pull down imaginations. That doesn't have anything to do with principalities and powers out here in the world. It has to do with stuff in our own head. You know, that most dangerous person in your family is you. In fact, the most dangerous member of this church is Alan Latta. I've got to take me serious enough to walk in alignment with God's will. Fear, I think we've made the point. These things affect how we see. They affect what we see. They filter out things we need to see, and they will actually project things that aren't even there. You ever been falsely accused? Yes, you did it. Yes, you said it. What is that? People project. Sometimes they actually believe it. They're not just liars, but there's hurts that affects what we see. I know I've done it. We've all done it. Don't anybody say amen. Honoring great perception. How do we have great perception? We've talked about poor perception, good perception. How do we have great perception? Who wants to have great perception? Where your body is full of light and your light's not under a bushel because you're hurt or you're angry or you are disillusioned. How to have great perception. Number one, 
Great perception filters everything through the gospel. The good news of what Jesus did for us. Philippians 3.10, Paul's desire was that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Who wants to know Jesus better than they do? It's impossible to do it without experiencing the fellowship of his sufferings. When you and I are misunderstood or maligned or someone intentionally hurts us or unintentionally hurts us, you can identify with the cross. Jesus, how did you do it? He was slandered. He was falsely accused, falsely arrested. He was tortured. He was robbed. He was shamed. He was killed. And he was buried. How? And beaten and scarred. Scars that he carries to this day. How did he do it? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. If we will stay the course... We can endure anything. Not that we would enjoy anything, but for the joy set before us. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Hebrews 13 tells us, looking unto Jesus, verse 2, the author and finisher of faith. The word our is in italics. It was put there by the translators. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. If you won't give up, if you will keep a godly outlook on life, you will be rewarded. It pays off. It is worth it. Well, I feel like no good deed goes unpunished. That's true. It can seem like that. Don't allow that to cloud your vision where you think everybody's out to get you. Not true. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So what he did for us needs to be a filter through which we view life. There was a country song in the 70s. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. The Lord said in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You know, if he did promise us a rose garden, those roses have thorns. Great perception focuses, it filters and it focuses on things above. Colossians 3.1, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Great perception finds eternal perspective. Look for it. It's there. In light of eternity, how do I need to view this? Is it the end of the world that I get disappointed? 
Is it the end of the world? Everybody around me feels like they're a jughead. Is that the end of the world? It's not. It's just a minor affliction. Paul, who literally did experience afflictions, considered his afflictions light. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Get the eternal perspective. We're two boys watching a parade. They weren't very tall, so one was up in a tree looking at the whole parade. You can kind of see the beginning, kind of see the end. The one that wasn't up in a tree was looking at it through a wooden fence through a knot hole. Who had the better perspective of what the parade was? The boy that was higher. So when they go low, you go high. Look at things from the eternal perspective. Eternity minus 10,000 years equals eternity. Assurance and annoyance, I didn't plan this flat tire, I didn't this, I didn't that, but I'm not going to blame God, and I'm not going to blame the devil. I mean, if you want to blame the devil, he's there putting annoying thoughts in your head, probably. And probably not, it's just the way you've been programmed in this negative world we have, doing, doing the devil's work for him. Great perception fortifies thankfulness. Oh, man, talk about a depression fighter. Talk about overcoming. Learning to be thankful is so important. Later on in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul wrote, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Tell on them to Jesus. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, can you say fortified? Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we're to pray with thankfulness. Thanksgiving is coming upon us, and it often gets called Turkey Day. But our forefathers, it wasn't about that. In fact, I think they ate fish at the first one. Had nothing to do with birds. Had to do with thankful hearts. They had had so many fasts, crying out to God with their needs. They realized we need to celebrate as well. Thankfulness is so important for what you have done. Cry out to God with your needs. By all means, come to him. But don't stop there. Also come to him with your thankfulness. We always have a reason to praise. Martin Luther King Sr. was interviewed by the press one day on how he dealt with such incredible loss the assassination of his famous son, the mysterious death of his not-so-famous son who drowned in his own swimming pool at 2 a.m. Who would say that's suspicious? And then the assassination of his wife while she's playing the organ at their church. He was out of town. A crazed gunman came in to kill him, and he wasn't there, so he killed her in front of everybody publicly. How have you, how have you survived? How have you come through this? He said, you have to be thankful for what you have left because they don't take everything.
Maybe you've lost a lot of stuff in life. You've lost headway, you've lost respect, you've lost so much you think Job's your hero. He is a hero. But you haven't lost everything. I haven't lost everything whenever I've experienced loss. There's always something to be thankful for. If you want to have a great perception, fortify yourself with thankfulness. Are you wrestling with addiction when you get weak and you're feeling tempted? Start giving thanks. Literally. In my life, in discouraging times, I've taken a sheet of paper and numbered it 1 through 10 and wrote a title across the top, things to be thankful for. And I started writing them down. You know, you can pray on paper, writing them down. And it's almost an interaction that can happen with God where he brings to your remembrance things to be thankful for. Maybe you lost someone dear to you, but you can be thankful for why they were dear to you and how long you had them. Maybe your dog or cat lived 20 years, set records, and now you're sad because he or she is gone. But you can be thankful for 20 years. See what I mean? We're not in heaven yet. Everything is temporary. The things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. And we can be thankful for the temporal blessings that come and go, but most of all, the eternal blessings. The final point. Great perception favors others more than ourselves. You know, we are on a quest to be made more like Jesus. Maybe you're not, but the Father is. All things work together for good, Romans 8, 28. To those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, making us fit for heaven. Everything in my life that's unlike Jesus, the Father is dealing with and is going to deal with. You got to do it. And that means narcissism has got to go. Self-centeredness has got to die. It's not about me. If you've been singing to the tune of Amazing Grace, me, 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 that's, that, that's got to go. Got to go. Favor others more than ourselves. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Verse 4, the next verse. Let each of you look out, not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. It's not about me. Now, we could go on a series on this. But to wrap up this point, we're going to have Pastor Minsa from Ghana 
finish up this point on the importance of others in our life. I think you'll like this. What he's saying is the truth. Watch. It doesn't cost to be nice to people. Loyal relationship value people. People are important. Your birth came through others. Your name was given to you by others. You were educated by other people. You have your income through other people. People give you respect. You don't go about and say, I respect myself. Your first bath was done by others. And your last bath will be done by others. So why this arrogance? Why this dare? Somebody bathed you when you were born. Someone would bath you when you die. Why this arrogance? Why this pride? Why this attitude? As if you control the entire world. Hear me carefully. Others will carry you to the graveside. Others will bury you. And everything you have owned in this life will be received and be enjoyed by others. You will not take them away. So everything is about others. Humble yourself. Woo. Lord, help us to filter everything we see through the gospel. Help us, Lord, to fortify everything we see and experience and feel and hear with thanksgiving. Help us, Lord, to never forget that others are more important than we are. Lord, we must help others. Give us a perception, a generous eye to see opportunities to serve others. Set us free from tunnel vision. Set us free from looking in the mirror of self-pity. Set us free from pity parties and pity festivals. Set us free from comparing ourselves to people. Lord, we are made in your image. We are unique and we have a battle station to man. Help us to be honorable and excited to do what you want us to do in this hour, at this time in history. Here and now, Lord, may we be people that see things the way you want us to see them. Let's lay hands on our eyes. It's, it's not our eyeballs, but it's our perception. Lord, we ask you to heal our perception. Give us your way of seeing things. Help us to see through the lens of the Scripture all the injustices we see in the world and be obedient to what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, Lord, put a song in our mouth, praise in our heart, and eagerness to serve in our hands and to go do your will in our feet. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord that I'm in a room full of beautiful feet, people that are called to carry the good news to the world. Help us not to overlook things that we're accustomed to overlooking. Help us not to miss things. And help us not to use this word to beat one another up with. Help us to work on ourselves. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Maybe you've been... Singing to the bartender, hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? Why are those things popular? Because people have done things wrong or things wrong have been done to them and they don't want to feel alone. Welcome to the club. Everybody's had things done wrong to them that's wrong. Maybe you more so. But do you have to live there 
Is that going to help anybody? It's going to hurt you and I the most. So this is the word. Go, see, serve, and praise. Amen. Go get them, tigers. God bless you.